Pricing is definitely one of the things where I really, really touch on during my workshops with other photographers. Um, it's it's one of the things where photographers, they don't want to talk about it because they feel like, you know, I'm an artist, you know, money, you know, who cares, you know, but if you, if you run, if you do this as a full-time job, I mean, you have to care about money. You have to care about how you price yourself. And pricing is not just a way to make money. Pricing is also a way to brand. It's part of my branding, basically. You know, if you're trying to hit the high-end clientele, your pricing has to reflect that. Otherwise, there's a hole in your branding. Welcome to the Wedding Video Boss Podcast. I am your host, Paul Santiago. Today is Masterclass Monday, which means you need to bring out your notepad, your pen, tablet, your quill, or whatever you use to take notes because you're not going to want to miss this one. I think today's instructor is almost ready, so let me give you a head start to grab that coffee or microwaved beer or whatever warm beverage you have and let's start the class. Jeremy Chow is an international wedding photographer based out of Southern California. In the past 10 years, he's established himself as one of the most sought-after wedding photographers in the industry. His work has been seen throughout all major U.S. wedding blogs and select wedding publications. In addition to weddings, he also holds regular workshops throughout the U.S. and other international destinations for up-and-coming wedding photographers. So friends, help me in welcoming... Jeremy Chow. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. I want to ask you what you've been up to recently. Well, beginning of the year is usually pretty, uh, pretty slow. Like, nobody's getting married around Christmas time, so I've been just taking uh, a few months off, um, just hanging out with family, and then just planning, you know, like updating websites, marketing materials, uh, making submissions. Um, I do have a few style shoots planned that's coming up. Uh, really excited, really excited about it. Um, but yeah, other than that, just just you know, doing all the back behind the scenes and taxes and all that. Oh, those fun stuff. Yeah, th- that's why we're 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 pushing for the podcast too because this is like the slow season for us. Yeah, I- <laughs> the fun the fun stuff nobody talks about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I I've I've seen on your Instagram that um, you were in Mexico, and the yeah, it looked like it was such a a treat because you were working with really good vendors there and the resort was, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically I got hired by a, a resort, Grand Velas resorts uh, down in Mexico. They had five properties throughout Mexico. Um, and in the push to kind of attract a more luxury brides, um, they basically hired me to do a uh, style shoots on different properties. So we just finished three properties I'm going back in March uh, to do two more. Basically, we just set up this this over the top style shoots at, at every property, and you know, with higher models, um, just do like a really high end um, design, and then uh, use the images for them to market to um, to attract the future clients. I always wonder how how you get these these really amazing high end style shoots. Do do you remember um, how you got this? Yeah. So so you know, honestly, there's no like one. Uh, there's not one kind of magic bullet answer to like, hey, this is what you do, and you you know, and you get this high, this uh, this commissions. No, it, yeah. it, it it's uh, it, I mean, been, I've been going at this for ten years now, so I think it's just uh, throughout the ten years where you really try to cure your work, try to uh, attract a, a really specific niche of uh, clients, 
uh, and the the planner for this uh, uh, for this this shoe, she started. She noticed me on Instagram. She started following my work. Really liked the aesthetic that I have, and it, you know, it's you know, she she actually said how she loves how how consistent everything is on my on my feed, and then she uh, that's kind of the look that they want. So she contacted me, and then uh, here we are. You know, we're onto property form five in about uh, two months uh, in uh, in a March here. So yeah, so it's basically through social media, and she saw it, and then you know she emailed me. Uh, we started chatting, chatting about it, and she, you know, she, I, I think she has contacted other photographers before as well. Some pretty big names, <laughs> actually. She, when she told me, I was, I was a little, I was a little scared that she's contacting me because there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> but I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out. You said you've been in the industry for ten years, right? I, I, I wonder yeah. how, how you, how you started. So I, in my previous life, I was an architect. Um, and I went. I actually went to school for architecture. I have a degree in architecture and everything. And when I first started, it just I just got bored with architecture. Uh, and my daughters were just born, so I started taking pictures of them and then uh, you know put it on Flickr. This was this was before like Instagrams. You know, Facebook was still not popular, so uh, put it on Flickr and then eventually put it on Facebook. Uh, people saw it and then you know they liked it they asked me to shoot family photos and family photos led to engagement photos engagement photos led to weddings and uh here we are 10 years later still doing it oh man that's so cool i wonder now when you when you started out because when i started out like as a filipino and a guy in the wedding industry and we we came here in in 2008 so i was like 20 28 years old and right. I had a lot of struggles, like just trying to get into the industry and trying to be recognized. Yeah. Did you have any similar situations? Yeah, I mean, I didn't start until I was thirty, so I'm I'm, I'm oh, almost wow. forty one now. So I, yeah, so you know, it's 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 definitely a second career, um, and yeah, like everybody else, I didn't know what I was doing when I first started. Um, what I did is I I I networked a lot, so I I in my second shot like crazy, I. I think my first year, um, I couldn't tell you the breakdown right now, but my first year, I, I shot more than 30 weddings my first year. I mean, the majority of that, of that was uh, second shooting. But um, I, I shot for a photographer called Shannon Lee, and then she, you know, she allowed me to use the photos of my portfolio. And then from that, um, I was able to use those photos to attract more clients. And then uh, it just kind of slowly grew from there. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's just definitely a second career for me. I, I, I recently was reading your blog post. Uh, I, I actually was reading the, the, the older one, and then I remember you showing me this, this new one. But I want to talk about the first one, which is um, the, the reasons why photography businesses fail, and yeah, it because it, it really resonates with me. When I when I read through the whole list, and I, I'd love it if you talk about that briefly. Yeah, so I I wrote a I wrote a blog post about how like wh you know why I think uh, photographers fail. I mean, I, fifty percent small businesses will 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 fail within the first five years. I mean that's just that's a statistically speaking in in America. And but you know on top of that, being a a creative uh, type of um, business will fail even at, at even higher rate. Um, but, you know, throughout the years, I've also taught workshops and talked to hundreds of photographers and I kind of figure out the five reasons why most photographers will fail. Um, so, like, number one, it's, it's, just, it's just a lack of technical skills. I mean, it, that sounds really weird. Like, how can you be a photographer and not know 
you know, not know how to shoot. But nowadays, it's almost like, you know, you can fake it until you make it. So a lot of a lot of new photographers photographers pick up a camera, and the camera is so advanced now, you can take a pretty decent photo just, you know, just by pure luck. You can take a pretty pretty decent photo. Yeah. Um, but being successful and being like a long-term career, you really need to master the, the ins and outs of your camera. And then, you know, uh, wedding's a very fluid environment where, you know, lighting changes and, you know, your client, you know, all of a sudden turns around and you have like a four stops of difference in lighting situation. I mean, it's, it's a very fluid environment. So you need to really need to know how to, um, how to like, you know, change your settings on your cameras and you know, how to do that on the fly. And especially now I shoot film, primarily um is even more difficult because i can't see what's in my uh i, I can't see the photos <laughs> so i i kind of have to really know lighting and you know really control the situation for me to deliver the best photos for my clients um yeah i'm, I'm a huge advocate for um working for someone else first or finding like a mentor before jumping into your own business and m yeah be more because uh you need to know your camera and you need to get used to it so people including myself when they were starting out they did their tri trial and error with with their own business with their own clients and that was like weird for me that so how do you feel about that how do you feel about um second shooting first and looking for a mentor first to to perfect your craft well i would you know, when I first started, that's all I did. I second shot, I took workshops. Like, you know, workshops wasn't a big thing back then, but I seek out a few photographers that actually did it. Um, you know, but I second shot a whole bunch. There's nothing like learning how to do this on, on a real job situation. But second shooting was very important in the sense that it it, it took some pressure off me. And, it, you know, again, uh, all the credit goes to Shannon for allowing me to use the photos. Um, but she, you know, she taught me how, you know, different situation, what to do. Um, but you know, I, and I also talked to other photographers where they say they've never second shot, where they just kind of jump straight into a primary shooting. They don't second shoot. And you know, there's people that, that succeed with that too. I think the most important part is make sure you're the clients that's hiring you, um, understand what your experience is. Like don't oversell yourself. Cause you know, you, you're messing with someone's you know wedding day. Like don't oversell your, your experience. If the client's, is fully aware of you, your brand new, you've only shot a handful of weddings, but they still trust you enough to shoot your weddings. Hey, you know, more power to you. Um, but yeah, I would say definitely, you know, practice a lot. Second shoot and, you know, before jumping in, uh, uh, before jumping into, uh, taking on your clients. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I remember, um, when we started out shooting all these weddings, and um, when after we when we go to production and we start editing the videos and I I'm like holy crap I I I totally forgot about this shot you know it's just never yeah. never intentional so so it's it's funny that that all of these things happen without any like experience so I really like vouch for making sure that you work for someone else and or looking yeah. for a mentor and doing the workshops. So, yeah, like, or just or just offer to you know carry bags and whatever you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've yeah, done yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Ain't> no shame. <laughs> okay, so so um, let's go to number two. Not pricing yourself yeah. as a sustainable business. I think this. Is yeah. So really here, here's another thing with the with with photographers. A lot of people jump into this as a hobby, and you know I, I, I you know I started as a hobby, and you know I had a full time job. I didn't. 
the problem is a lot of people because it is a hobby and they don't they don't derive a full-time income from it they don't price themselves as a sustainable business so there's going to come come to a point where every hobbyist is going to have to decide is this going to stay as a hobby or am i go am i going to take it more serious and make a business out of it so now the problem is that if if you've always priced yourself as a hobbyist and not as a sustainable business when you make that switch it's that's where most business is going to fail because you're going to lose your entire uh, client base, referral base, because now you also you realize you have to price yourself uh, a certain rate in order to sustain sustain it, to pay for insurance, taxes, uh, pay your second shooter, you know, reinvest back in back in your business. Um, you know, if you've been charging people five dollars a wedding, also you're going to charge three thousand because that's kind of sustainable uh, business rate. You're not going to be able to do it or you had to start over um, and try to find those clients. So my my suggestion is always when you first start, even though you're brand new, you should know your cost of doing business and you should price it always as a sustainable business, not as a hobby. But again, this is only for pe- for those that want to turn to a full-time business. If you always want to be a hobbyist and, you know, go out on weekends, you know, I don't know, like five weddings a year and try to find your bucks, you know, so do that. Oh, There's a market for that as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you really want to make it a business, you have to start from day one. Don't start thinking like a sustainable business from day one. I mean, so the, the two, um, kind of business model is, it's a low price, high volume or a, a high price, low volume. So, you know, so if you're low price, high volume, it's, you know, it's kind of like the Walmart model, right? So you sell everything for cheap, uh, but you sell them, you sell hundreds of items, of, you know, T-shirts for like a dollar, right? Um, but or you can go a high price but low volume, which is more like a boutique kind of approach where everything is you know super expensive, but you only do like twenty weddings a year, something like that. Yeah, I, 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 that that's really good because when 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 I started out my business, my our mindset mm-hmm. was business. We're, this isn't a hobby for us. But I feel, right. I, I I think for me the hardest part was raising the price. Well, the hardest part with the raising the price is the fear of no one booking until until my wife showed me the math and she's like, you just made $98 from this wedding. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's terrible. So, yeah, yeah. that's I, I think for for people who are in it for the business, the fear is once they raise the price, they're going to lose that market and no one's going to book them anymore. But when yeah, we, when and, we and did honestly, it, it, that yeah. happens at every price range. So, like, I, I that's not. I mean, I've been doing this long enough where, you know, I, I went from starting at five, you know, I, I shot my first wedding for free and I went to 1500. Now I'm like, you know, 10,000 plus. I, this happens at every price range. This, this is not a reason not to raise your prices because it, how do I explain this? Um, you know, once you go from 1500 to 2000, you're going to lose your clients. Once you go from 2000 to 3000, you're going to lose your clients. Once you go from five thousand to seven thousand, you lose your clients. Uh, it, it, this happens at every single price range. Um, it's not a. It's not good enough of a reason for me to not raise my prices. I guess. Yeah, and I, I was just gonna say maybe it's because we're from California. That's why you know the, there's like so much work here. But then you've been film. Uh, you've been shooting in different states and in different countries. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, there, I mean, SoCal is a good market, but as your price goes up, you have to expand your market because, you know, the, the, the affluent, you know, the, the kind of like the top 5%, 1% of weddings, those clients are there, they're, they're, 
you know, you got there's more spread out now. It's it's not all in SoCal now, right? So, in the clients I can afford, uh, your rate that they don't they don't mind flying somewhere to shoot a wedding. So you kind of have to, um, you know, start looking at different markets as well. Okay, yeah, that makes that make that makes a lot of sense. Okay, let's go to number three: fear of failure. So this one, this one's more mental, you know, than anything else. So. You know, when I first quit my day job, I mean, I was scared to death. I mean, I have, I have a mortgage, I have two car payments, I have two kids. I got to like do really young kids I had to feed, um, I had to support, and you know, I got to put them through college. And you know, there's all this fear of why I shouldn't do certain things, right? But I knew that I, I knew I wasn't happy being where I was. And this is not to say, you know, if you're not happy, just get a relief. You know, I, I can't, you know, I can't tell my kids, I hey, screw you guys, daddy's gonna be an artist now. I don't care if you guys don't eat, right? <laughs> I, 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 it was a definitely a calculated risk, um, but I didn't let I didn't let the fear of failure stop me from making making the leap. Um, it, it, you, you have to look at the entire picture. You know, talk with your spouse, talk with your partner, whoever you know that you're uh, you're partner with, and then just kind of figure out the finances if you can make it work. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you if you lay your I mean, fear is a good, uh, for me, fear is a good motivator. It's not, yeah. it doesn't cripple me from trying new things. It just motivates me to try harder and plan, you know, plan better, better for whatever uh, new uh, uh, business venture I want to take on. But it, should, it shouldn't stop you from trying it. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that, you know, the, the fact that you're afraid means that you care and you're pretty much leaving your comfort zone, which is always a good sign, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, in what in my uh, in my blog post, I actually quoted uh, Jim Carrey, <laughs> the great comedian. He said, uh, "Fear, fear is nothing more than obstacles disguised as practicality." So, yeah. you know, all the things, you know, you know, the, the practical stuff in life, you know, four hundred one k insurance, all those things, it's gonna kind of stop you from from doing what's really what your heart wants. Um, and I think, especially in the creative field, uh, you know, if we don't feel passionate about what we do uh, we're not going to do a good job um so yeah i'm really you know it was definitely really hard to quit my day job but i mean i'm so glad i did it and you know again 10 years later i'm still i'm still here yeah that's good that's a good sign <laughs> yeah still well, here <laughs> since you quote since you quoted uh jim carrey i'm gonna quote michael jordan he said fear is an illusion and i bought the shirt in high school yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I okay. heard that one. That's good. Uh, number four, inconsistency yeah. in work. So yeah, that's that's not a big one. So there's a lot of new photographers where you know naturally when you just started out, you know you try different 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 filters, different editing style, different composition, different mood in your photos. You know some photos might look really serious, some photos might might look really you know people you know having huge belly laughs. What whatever it is, uh, the inconsistency in your work. It's actually a deterrent uh, for clients to, to book you. Um, it, and I know it goes against like everything from top to top, you know, right? We always say, like, hey, you got to be creative. You got to be creative. But you can be creative within the confines of your brand. Um, and that's kind of what I teach in my workshop. Like you can definitely, you know, I still try to be creative every wedding, but it, it's within the, the, the brand. Um, so, you know, when you try to be inconsistent in your work, your client's going to be, you know, keep in mind, your clients are booking you for a wedding that's like eight months a year out, right? Yeah. So they want to make sure when their time, when their wedding rolls around, they're getting what they paid for, which is your work now, currently. 
So if you keep changing your style, your clients are going to get pissed when it, when it comes to a wedding and then all of a sudden your work looks different than what it booked you for. Um, so this is, this is a really hard one for photographers to grasp. But I, and I, and I, I struggle with, I struggle with that is because if we put ourselves in a client's shoes, right, we're hiring somebody and all of a sudden when the wedding comes and their work is different, we're not going to be like, Hey, he's an artist. You know, he can do whatever he wants. I, I'm so happy with this. No, we're gonna be mad. Like, if, if what do we pay for is not, um, is it's changed. So with you photographers, I also, you know, you you get like a five year pass, right? To to be as experiment experimental, whatever you want with your work. But at some point, when you really want to move on to that next market, that that next clientele base, you really have to find consistency in your work. I'm a huge advocate also of knowing all the rules first. And then you break it. So you have a kind of like a basic guide for your work. So right. so when whenever we break it, like for me, I hate I hate it when the couple looks at the camera because it breaks the fourth wall. Or when they're when they look like super serious, I hate it because um Yeah. That's not so, our I brand, mean, you know. But you know Yeah, we, so like some some photographers they like the the the, the big smiley photos, the you know, the the big cheesy smiles, and some photographers like the really serious serious look i mean whatever it is whatever works for you you just gotta find something and stick with it and then try to reproduce it every single time um like if you have if, if you don't like your clients looking at the camera then then you know then your edits are gonna show your clients looking away and just uh, whatever it is it's gotta be like super consistent about it yeah there are times when we do um when we do like serious we want them to make a serious face but it's it's really mm -hmm. because of how they are so we always right. try to adapt to their personality. You know, with video, we, we we try to make we make we try to make sure that we show the personality of the couple. So those things we we just stick to one. It it's it's weird because we have this checklist in our minds of what right. we need, but then when we break it, it it looks really good. But at this at the end of the day, it just all of our all of our videos they they pretty much look the same. It's I I hate saying cookie cutter because it isn't, but there's kind of like a formula for well no yeah there's i mean there's a well that's that's a thing that get from photographers when i say this as well they always say well it doesn't look boring doesn't everything look the same and i always tell them like oh, go look at my blog it's, it's it, they don't all look the same i mean the the formula is the same but like the execution is definitely different based on the personality of each client but there's a general theme that runs through every wedding every blog post every you know every uh, engagement session that I post, there's a general theme that everything kind of looks and feels the same. It, 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 you know, it's just one of those things where once you get it, 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 it makes sense. But if you, if you keep fighting and say, well, then it looks boring, then no, you're never going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, which leads me to number five, which is my favorite, favorite um, yeah. thing is not understanding your ideal client base. This one's a tricky one because, you know, I, you know, again, I've taught a lot of workshops and, and I've talked to many, many photographers and you would think everybody wants to do the high-end weddings because it seems like more fun and more elaborate, more things to shoot. But that's not necessarily true. Like I, I've had students where they say, no, they want to focus on the high volume but lower cost um, weddings, right? So yeah. whatever it is, again, there's nothing right or wrong about it. Like Walmart sells very cheap clothes, but they, they it's, it's one of the most most um, profitable companies in the world, right? Yeah. Um, there is not a right way or wrong way to do this. You just have to know. 
Uh, and what I've seen is photographers where when they know who their ideal client base are, they make they start making the wrong decisions for the business, for the pricing, for the marketing uh, efforts. Um, if you don't know who your client base is, you're not going to be able to target them. Uh, so, so for us, we we realized that we wanted to do more local local right. uh, clients. So our client base is more local people. So we always show, we always highlight. Whenever we get like um, out of town weddings, we right. still push for on our website. We push for more of like the local ones. <laughs> like we're still we're yeah. <laughs> we're going to Hawaii in June for a Hawaii wedding. But good thing is they're they're they they have two weddings and she's still getting married here in Orange County. So I'm like so happy because we could, we could show it on our website. But yeah, we just more local people is our client base and the the just like what I told you about like the style. The, we want couples who are like laughing all the time and not right. so serious and you know just normal normal people <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at my work you know I, it's definitely a little i would consider a, it's a little more serious um and i not to a point where they look like they're you know mad but it's it's definitely i like the very gentle very soft smiles i like the very um uh kind of emotive kind of uh feeling to my photos I, I i don't like big belly laughs i and you're not gonna find that on my on my website um and uh, here's the funny part because i'm so consistent in in you know the mood i portray in my work my clients when they come when i book a clients now they're all like that That's amazing. like they don't they all just say we don't we don't want those big cheesy huge laughs they all say they don't want that anymore they just say you know we love the way you portray emotions it, it's subdued it's 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 controlled um they you know they like that and you know the more consistent you are with your work um the more consistent your clients will become yeah that's what we've noticed like we we always just attract the the people that we post online and the people right. that we yeah so it's 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 easier when you yeah when you stay consistent because you're just going to attract all these people your market is just going to come right. in so now that we've talked about how not to fail <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> my favorite topic which is pricing and you just All recently right. <laughs> you recently posted an article on uh, Mastin Labs about the five com most common mistakes pricing mistakes for photographers do you want to talk right. about that <laughs> yeah sure um so yeah so pricing is definitely one of those things where i really really touch on doing my workshops with other photographers um it's it's one of those things where photographers they don't want to talk about it because they feel like you know i'm an artist you know money you know who cares you know but if you if you run if you do this as a full-time job i mean you have to care about money you have to care about how you price yourself and pricing is not just a way to make money pricing is also a way to brand to um to you know it's part of my branding basically you know if you're trying to hit the high-end clientele your pricing has to reflect that otherwise there's a whole in your marketing, uh, in your branding. So the, the, the top five most common pricing mistakes I feel is number one is not knowing your business model. So we kind of touched this a little bit earlier. So the business model, basically you can have the high volume, um, but low cost or low cost, high volume. The very few photographers can do both high cost and high volume. They're just literally like a handful of them, less than five of them that can do that. And those are like the, the top, top, um, photography in our, in, our, in, in our field, right? Um, so that's number one. You, you have to know your business model. Who, who are you trying to attract? And number two is, is something that 
it's it's kind of hard to hear for photographers. So, and I get this all the time. You know, again, uh, in speaking with other photographers, where they they keep saying that they want to, uh, you know, they want to book the ten thousand dollar weddings. They want to book those kind of clients, but simply the the work just will not allow them to do it. Right. So it it really comes down to you know our we're photographers. Our work comes first. Um, I know there's like a huge push now in social media and whatever about how like. Hey, no, your work doesn't matter. It's your personality. You know, you're going to win them over by personality. What kind of dog do you have? What kind of boots do you wear? You know, like it's stuff like that. But at the end of the day, our work is still what's the most important for, for, for us. And it, if your work is not good enough, you're just not going to be able to, to charge that kind of money. I, I don't know how else to, to put it. <laughs> I don't know, just, just, you know, kind of pretty, being pretty frank about it. You know, any kind of high dollar photographer, I mean, their work speaks you know, their work speaks for itself. Like you, mm. you have to be really good at what you do. Um, so now next one is the, let's see here. Being in the price, oh, being in the price dead zone. So, so, <laughs> so here's what I, here's, here's kind of what I call this. I, I, I call it like the, it's the price in purgatory where like all the good photographers go to die, right? their careers. <laughs> not figuratively speaking, not literally speaking. Um, there, so every market, there's a dead zone in pricing, right? So dead zone is just where 90% photographer will be in. It's the middle of the middle of the road. Uh, the 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 uh, you know in in SoCal, it's like if you ask somebody, hey, what's your budget for photography, right? Like eight out of ten will say three thousand. That's just kind of like the, the the middle of the mark, right? So yeah. anything from I would say twenty five to like four thousand somewhere in there, that's the pricing dead zone. So if you're in that zone you're literally competing with almost everybody out there, right? So that, how do you stand out? Like if, 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 and in that, price, in, in that price zone, your clients are super price conscious. They're super, um, uh, they're, they're very, very aware of the price tag, let's put it that way. Um, so they can start comparing nickel and diamond. They're just like, hey, you know, for 4,000, can you throw in the extra engagement session? Can you throw in the extra album? Yeah. Uh, because the next side's gonna do it, right? So if you're in that zone, you're competing with everybody. So now you have two choices. You have, you, have, you have three choices. One of them, you drop your price to below that dead zone. Mm-hmm. You start at fifteen hundred. You start below everybody else, and then you somehow make it up in volume, right? Yeah. Or, or the second way, you or you go way higher. You you like triple the, the you know you start at three times the dead zone price. So you hit that that completely different market. And the next one is you just try to, you try to, uh, you stay in the dead zone and then you just kind of, uh, fight through it. And then at, at some point you're going to be the guy in the dead zone doing that has been doing this longest. So you can start winning by experience. So you can, you know, basically your marketing becomes, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm 3000, but I've been doing this for five years versus some new guy that's 3000 that's been doing it for two years. So, okay. you know, you get that extra experience, but for the same price, that, that's going to be your marketing method, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, well, what I recommend is if you're in the pricing dead zone, I like, try to get it out of it as soon as possible. So, <laughs> it's just hard. So <clears throat> I want to ask you before we move to the next one, um, how would you know when to, how, I, I guess, how, how would you gauge how much you should charge? Like when would you know wh- when to charge 1500 and when to charge like, well, demand. Demand. So, like, when I first started, you know, I, that one year I was at $3,500. I booked 35 weddings. And I was like, no, this is way too much. I was booking way too fast. Yeah. Right? And then so once I, I know that that's, that, pri- that 
the pricing was getting me the clients, um, I started raising my prices because I knew I can't stay I can't stay in there for long because I won't be able to compete because some new guys gonna come in for the same price uh, or cheaper um, and clients gonna go to that because that's what at that price range that's what clients want they want the best bang for the buck right and then they they will go to whoever is cheaper or whoever can offer them more so let's say I was at thirty five hundred dollars for eight hours right. The next guy gonna come and say, "Okay, for thirty five dollars, I'm gonna give you eight hours plus engagement session plus an album. I can't compete with that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, so then I'm gonna lose that. And I knew this at the time. I I knew I couldn't stay in that. So I, you know, I very quickly I raised to five and then went to seven. Now I'm at eight, uh, starting. So you know, it, it, I got out. I got out the price zone as fast as I could. So, because the thing is, like for me. For at least, like, I ha- I also know of photographers who are in that price range that's right. low, high-end, which is, like, right. a pretty decent price, right? Right. But, you know, some of them are fearing that they're not booking enough or should they just increase their price or should they lower it or should they – like, that that kind of um, – there's, there's always, like, a, a pricing purgatory in every single tier, I guess – Right, because right. You're, you're, you, I, I remember you. You were telling us about like when you raise your prices, when someone books your top package, that means you need to. You need um, to raise it. <laughs> raise your prices, right? That, man, that that's right. That's amazing. Okay, yep. so let's go to number four: overly complicated price guide. Yeah, I've seen this like many, many times over. Where. You know, where I mean, imagine going to a restaurant, right? And there's like 500 things on a on a menu. You get so overwhelmed that you just end up going to what you most most. You know, you just grab your mac and cheese, right? Because you, you don't you just, you just don't have the time to go through the entire menu. It's so it's so overly complicated. Uh, um, I'm I'm a I'm a true believer in simplicity and minimalism. <laughs> so, um, I my package only has four collections, uh, and then you know they can obviously you know add and subtract whatever they want, but when they start out, it, it's very simple. It's just, you know, you start with your day coverage and you start day coverage with engagement session with an album and so on and so forth. It's very, very simple. It's not complicated. I've seen a lot of like credit system where, Hey, you, you get, or I, I don't know how to explain it. Like I couldn't explain it to you. Cause so I, I just feel it's so complicated. Um, and the simpler, the better. Well, I remember when, when we were, when we were charging lower, Right. Um, we had so many packages. Like we, you could add, you could add a same day edit, or you could add this like, yeah, yeah, yeah. session. Uh, what I've noticed is the higher, the higher end the client that we get, the less right. time they have to look at all of these things. No, they just want to take care of it. They say, yeah. You're the professional. I hired you. You tell me what I need. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the people who have more money, they they usually just okay. Just give me what what do you think I need, and then let's do it. Because they usually yeah. trust or, you, or they would just keep, they would just tell you like, okay, this is what I need. Give me a price. You know, yeah. they don't they don't have time to go through your hundred options, and they they just don't they 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 don't care. Like I've I've seen videographer packages where, you know, they charge extra for wire mat for wire mic versus a wireless mic. Um, it's like they just <laughs> it's like what what is this? Like something that specific that nobody will even. So here here's the thing: when you have something that complicated, I think as a client. I mean, if I were in the shoes, I would think you're trying to nickel and dime me for everything, right? Yeah. Like you, you want to charge me little things, like just you know, just a small upgrade that that's you know whatever. 
um, even my even my albums, like I just include all the upgrades in the in the in the in the base price because I don't want to. Again, I don't want to nickel and dime my clients. And you want to make it easy for them. I, I I've heard this before where they said, um, "Don't make it hard for your clients to spend money." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't make it hard for them to pay you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So let's go to number five. Number five is no incentives for clients to book a higher package. So this is, you know, this is kind of. Uh, my approach is that, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a small boutique uh, business um, and I book one wedding a day, right? I don't have, I, you know, I don't have multiple teams going out there shooting different weddings, right? So it makes sense for me, for me to get a client to book as high of a package as pa possible for one single wedding. And to get them to do that, I give them incentives, right? So for example, if they, if they book my highest package, I'm not going to nickel and dime him for like an extra five pages on the album. For, for example, or if, you know, if they book me for the highest package and they say, you know, your engagement session, instead of one hour, I want to, you know, can we do two hours? Sure. No problem. Right. I'm mm -hmm. not going to sit there and say, no, you know, that's an extra $20. Like I'm not going to lose the clients over $20. Um, and I've, I've, I've had uh, photographers where they say, you know, if it's more than 50 miles, I'm going to charge you another $25 for gas. Like why just give it to them. <laughs> When you start when you start doing that, you know it it it's really creates the the feeling that you're nickel and diming everything. Um, it it just it doesn't work with with the high end clientele. They they don't like that. They just give them one price and they're good to go. Yeah, we we usually incorporate the price in the in the package already, and there's always yeah. wiggle room. Like oh. Let's move to this different place. Okay, fine. Yeah, because we, we we all already charge them for for adjustments, so yeah, it's easier. For yeah, them. like yeah, like I you know the, I booked a, a a really big wedding next year, and the clients wants to do an engagement session, you know, in San Francisco. Um, that's you know that's you know the drive the drive to there from Oakland is you know it's it's a further north from San Francisco. Um, it's an extra like two hour drive, whatever. I'm not gonna charge him for that. Because, you know, that's my incentive for them to book the higher package where, hey, I'm not going to nickel and dime you for uh, little tiny things like that. I'll take care of it. You just show up and then you know, we'll have fun. Um, but you don't have to worry about me charging 50 bucks for it. Like, told, you know, for the toll or whatever on Golden Gate Bridge or whatever. So talking about high-end clients, I remember you showing me this invoice of what a client paid you. We're not going to talk yeah. about that invoice, but you told me that you learned a lot from that one booking. You want to talk about that? Sure. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about how much it was, but I yeah, mean, it's no. definitely the highest booking I've ever done. And, it, you know, it, it, to me, that it's, to me, it, it's kind of uh, validation of the choices I've made in my business throughout the last 10 years. Um, I've made a lot of really tough choices for my business. Um, walking away from some, uh, walking away from commissions were, uh, or photo shoots were or weddings where I thought it wasn't good for my brand. Um, pissed off some people <laughs> because it wasn't my brand. Um, but you know, I had to make a lot of tough business choices to get to this point. Um, I mean, I can, I can say that one invoice was more than what I made like my first year in business. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was substantial, but, um, it was nuts. I almost spit my drink yeah. when you showed it to me, <laughs> but, but it's, it was, um, how do I say this? It's, it really taught me a lot in the sense that, okay, how do you deal with the more affluent, clients right so this client uh he didn't care how much things cost he he all he kept on saying was was i trust your work uh i love your work uh this is what i want just give me a price for it 
That's all he said, right? Oh, so, so all right. So you know, we 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 had a we had a phone conversation where he told me exactly what he needed. You know, how many days, how many hours. Um, so I put I you know I I rolled out uh, uh, the the contract and sent it to him. He looked at it. He sent me an email back. Said, okay, we're good to go. And that was it. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, like no no <laughs> no bargaining, like nothing. He's like, yeah, we're good to go. And then you know, so. I really learned that, um, and he said, you know, I he said I don't mind paying the price. I just want I just want quality. I I want I want what I pay for, right? So so he, you know he he didn't even look at like the the breakdowns. I mean, I provided him a very detailed breakdown of how we got to the uh, the the price point, and everything you know everything was accounted for. You know, down to the down to the last dime or whatever. Um, and he was just, you know, very gracious about it. He's just like, Hey, you know, I trust you. I just want good work. I know you, I you just, you know, I know you're, you're one of the best out there and and we want you for our wedding. So just send us an invoice. It's like a dream. It's like a dream for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause usually, you know, the, the reason why I don't want to get into the higher end market, right. I guess because of uh, videos different, but my fear with high end market is we don't have any chemistry with a couple. And, you know, um, yeah. So like, so let me talk about that. So I, I mean, I didn't grow up rich, like by any stretch of imagination. I, I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't come from rich background. My fa- my parents didn't have a lot of money when we were growing up. I mean, they, they, they're really doing really well now. But like when, we, when I was growing up, like you know, we were not rich. <laughs> and you know, we had to come. We moved here from from Taiwan when we were twelve. And you know, when my parents struggled a little bit when I was growing up. Um, but you know, overall, I they didn't kind of like I didn't deal with the affluent friends or in other families. I I didn't. Yeah. So I, it, uh, in a, in a lot of ways, it's hard for me to relate to them. In a lot of ways, but the, this notion of like of like affluent clients is really hard to deal with. I I found I found out to be completely the opposite. I love affluent. I I, I love my clients. Right? They they hire me. They pay. They pay my fee. They know I'm gonna do. Uh, they know I'm gonna deliver, and they, they leave me alone. They don't tell me anything. I I show up. I do my job, and I leave. I'm not really friends with my clients in a sense. I'm I'm definitely friendly with them. Like I, you know, I you know when we see each other for sessions, we go grab coffee or dinner, dinner, whatever afterwards. But other than that, I'm not friends with my clients. Like we have a a, a very professional business relationship where they they pay my fee and I I deliver what they pay me for, and I I. I purposely have kept it that way just because the fact that I feel um, I, I don't want to blur the line of being a client and being a friend because my clients are not my friends and I'm a vendor. I'm not their friends. Right. Um, I, that, all that can happen after the wedding's over. Like, well, but if when I still, when you still have me retained for a service, I'm going to do my absolute best, but we're just, we're, we're professional we're bound by by professionalism, put it that way, and that's that's one thing I've always done since day one. Where I'm I'm just not a, uh, you know, I I, I don't I, I don't I don't I don't look at my clients as my close friends. I, I just don't. Um, and you know, again nowadays, like with this whole social media thing, and a lot of photographers claim to be like best friends, my clients. You know, we're blah blah blah, we're besties. You know, whatever. <laughs> all all that you know, honestly. But their definition of best friends is that they like each other's posts, they like each other's photos on social media. That that that's the extent that's the extent of the friendship, right? Like I just don't buy into that whole thing, and you know, and it's made my job a lot easier to do my job 
um, as a professional. And again, I definitely have clients that connected with more than the other. Uh, that I, li- I like them personally as, as people. Um, um, but, you know, the, the, the relationship is a very professional relationship. And actually, I should purposely kind of stay away from establishing any further friendships with my clients until the wedding's over. Try to make sure that you do your job first. Cause I've, yeah, I got to do my job first. And I just can't do I, I have over 250 clients. I, 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 I can't mentally handle that many friends. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually have, have worked with photographers who are like extra friendly with their clients. And I've worked with a planner that's like really close to the clients. And, you know, they forget that there are other vendors around. Yeah, I mean, like, but, you have to, but you have to look at like, because nowadays with the social media, being close with somebody has a completely different meaning than what it meant like 10 years ago, right? So now it's like everybody, so now being close with somebody, it's like social media, like I like your post, I like your story, we, we comment back and forth, you know, little heart emojis. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's not friendship. That, that's, a very super, that's a very superficial social interaction that you have with the clients. But a lot of photographers, for whatever reason, for marketing, for, I, I don't know what the reasons are, they really like to make that more than what it is, I guess. Yeah. Um, and you know, and also, I, and I've seen this happen so many times. As soon as, so, as soon as something goes wrong, all of a sudden it's like a lawyer talk, right? <laughs> Dear ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm heartless or, or a jerk, or whatever. I just, I prefer to have that friend, that kind of friendship after the project is finished. Yeah. I'm not against. I'm not against it. Just while while I have the, the project, the wedding going on, um, I, I I like to keep it as professional as possible. We're friends with our clients, but right. uh, I think it's because um, I think it's because we we get our energy from them. So before the right. before the wedding day, it's important for us to have like a, a connection with them because that's where we get our energy from. But it's not like. Yay, we're best friends. You should. Uh, you no, know, your friend, uh, your friend leave. You're friendly with them. Friendly, okay. And, and so am I. I'm, I'm friendly with all my clients. Like, but here's the thing, Paul. Because I do a lot of destination stuff, I don't meet my clients until the day of the wedding. Okay. I, I really don't. Like, I, I have a wedding uh, coming up in Italy. The clients are coming out from Canada. I don't meet them until the until hours before they walk down the aisle. Right. <laughs> nice. So, 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 like, how do I establish that kind of report with the with the somebody I I don't even meet until the day of the wedding, right? So, I mean, so you just I I mean, you know, it's it just my my market again. My market is different than everybody else's. Um, and if you if you do more local weddings, I you get to meet your clients before I nine out of ten I don't meet my clients until the day of the wedding. But I I think they they connect with what you post on social media anyway, so they know. What to expect from yeah. you and you what to yeah. expect. Yeah, I mean from they have them. a certain yeah, they have a certain, you know, understanding of my personality is before they meet me. I mean, um, you know, I'm generally a very friendly guy. It's 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 just, you know, it it I just I, I you know, we're not gonna have that kind of deep friendship before a wedding because I just for a fact I don't meet them. It's nice that you post um more personal stuff on your social media. Good thing I didn't check it last night because you just had uh, a Chinese dinner at uh Chinese New Year dinner. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where that was, but good thing I wasn't looking at it last night because I was like super hungry. So I just looked at it today. <laughs> yeah, it was an early uh, Chinese New Year dinner. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> okay, so before we end, I want—I really yeah. want to talk to you. Oh, uh, just one advice that yeah. I need from for people who struggle, who are still in that pricing purgatory in the higher, lower end. 
like not the three thousand dollar one, but there's there are there are people there who are struggling with doing yeah. do we, do, do, yeah. what I call the entry luxury market. So you're like the coach, you like, you're like right. the coach purse. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Right, you know what I mean? Like, not quite like Louis Vuitton, but you're like coach, right? Like, <laughs> hey, I'll take coach. <laughs> right, you know, no, there's nothing wrong with it. I, it's just when putting that, when putting those terms, people understand what what we're talking about, like the the entry luxury level, right? Yeah. Um, so again, it's the same thing that you got to do every single time raise your prices, right? So the way you can raise your prices is by raising your perceived value to your potential clients. They, you, your perceived value has to be higher than what you're charging. Okay. So if you're charging $5,000, your perceived value has to be like 7,000. So people are like, Hey, that's actually a good deal. Like I'm getting what I think is a $7,000 worth of, of, of videography of products that I'm paying five. Right. So okay. every time I raise my prices, I just keep raising perceived value to, to, um, to justify what I'm charging. So, you know, so right now I'm, I'm, I'm consistently over 10 K now for each wedding. Um, I wanted people to think they book they book a twenty thousand photographer, a twenty thousand dollar photographer, right? So what I'm doing, I'm doing shoots. I'm doing like more up up um, high end style shoots. I'm I'm shooting at higher venues. You know, my posing, my my composition, whatever it's whatever I can do to uh, to make it seem more upscale, more high end. That's what I'm doing. And then, and this is gonna be different for everybody, like. You know, because okay. I have a, I have a specific clientele I'm going after. You have a specific clientele you're going after. So you just kind of have to figure out like what, uh, what that clientele wants. Well, th that's the thing too. Like, um, really quick, but I, we just realized that with style shoots, we 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 shoot styled shoots differently now mm -hmm. than from before because we know what our client is and who our base is. So it, it's it's right. easier for us to do that. Well, I really want to thank you for. I really appreciate this and thank you for, for giving us your knowledge and your tips. Maybe you could, you could tell people how they could reach you and if you have any upcoming workshops. Anytime yeah, soon. I mean, my, my website uh, just pretty, is really simple. Keep everything simple. <laughs> JeremyChow.com And I do have a workshop coming up in Atlanta, in Georgia, in April 15th and 16th. Uh, they can go to JeremyChowWorkshop.com or they can just go to my website and email me and I can send all, all, the, all the information. Thank you so much uh -huh. for, for being here again. I really appreciate it. And hopefully to see you soon and more power to you. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Since you already know why businesses fail, make sure you fail smart and price yourself properly because we're a small business. So we kind of need to make money. This is the first masterclass, and I would love to know what you think. So feel free to reach out so I can bring in the right people to help you in building your business. I really need honest opinions and suggestions. I hope this episode was helpful. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions, just feel free to reach out. I'm throwing out all these information goldness for free. So I'd really appreciate it if you help me by subscribing, rating, or leaving a review. Thank you so much to those who already did. I've been reading them and it's just inspiring. I can't wait to give you more content. Thanks for listening. It means the world to me. Watch out for the next episodes of the Wedding Video Boss Podcast. Till then, play nice if you can't win. And be nice, especially if you're good looking. <laughs>
Boss Man out. Especially if you're good looking. Boss Man out.